and we are live. 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 We're live. We're back. We're back with Genesis 35. (laughs) We are on 35 of Genesis, and we are here to learn more about God's Word. We are excited that everybody is here with us and cannot wait for us to get to know what Jacob did after what happened last chapter. Justin. Now here we are. In Genesis 35, starting with now, we're going to see Jacob leaving Shechem, which is a good thing, and returning to Bethel. So, uh, Henry, do you want to get us kicked off with chapter 35? Yeah, that'd be great. Verse 1, then God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, remove the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments and let's arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me on the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods, which they had in the rings, which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak, which was near Shechem. All right. So in these first four verses, we see that God called Jacob back to Bethel. So also it is revealed that Jacob's family had been participating in idolatry and needed to get rid of their false gods. So, this may have been tied to what, you know, how Rachel brought an idol from her, or she stole an, an idol from her father's house and brought it with them. Or it, it could also maybe be tied to the culture in which they ended up living for a little bit in Shechem. Um, either way, here we see that Jacob's spiritual walk is revealed in, in these areas, and he made a lot of mistakes. Um, but despite all the mistakes that Jacob made, when I say mistakes, all the sins that Jacob committed, we see God's faithfulness was unwavering. Um, So also it it talked about the jewelry. Um, The jewelry might've been associated with idols. I know that sometimes just like with today in certain parts of the world, there's amulets like necklaces and things. This says earrings, but um, there may have been different jewelry. Obviously the jewelry was attached to the idolatry. And so then we see this idea of their changing clothes and the idea of changing clothes and, and bathing um, along with burying the, these idols symbolized a, a cleansing from defilement and also a purifying of your heart. And so uh, some scholars believe that Jacob uh, should have never lived in Shechem. Uh, and so because the idols may have been purchased there or, you know, that culture may have had too much of an influence on them. Um, But either way, this is good. It's not good in the fact that we found out they had all these idols, but it's good in the fact that they're recognizing this as a problem and getting rid of them. 
Absolutely. Just a little bit to add on to that. Um, just to, you know, I think you said this, but Bethel is um, a the place where Jacob started his journey. And he uh, had a dream ultimately in which he saw angels ascending and descending from heaven. And then he saw God appear and in the dream in chapter 28. And basically, he's this is the same exact area that he's returning to. So Bethel is where he had that dream. One more thing. Um, if you recall what Jacob did after that dream, he ultimately made a promise. He made a vow. Verse 20 of chapter 28. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And so basically, Jacob seems here to make a promise that he's going to return here. And turn this pillar into God's house. And so at this point, Jacob hasn't returned, right? He's been back from, he's, he's left uh, his uncle Laban. That, that was 10 years ago. And so he's been living in this other city. He still hasn't fulfilled this vow that he made to God. And, you know, if, if you return safely, then it seems like you'd want to, you know, go, check that box pretty quickly, you know? I mean, I'm not trying to like minimize this to checking a box, but if you make a vow to do something, make a promise to God, uh, that's not something that you should be quick to forget and, or be slow to actually fulfill that vow. So um, definitely found that interesting. I would also just say this, all these, all this idolatry within Jacob's house Jacob seems to sleep at the wheel a little bit here. I mean, this isn't something that you just wake up one day, wake up one day and be like, where did all these idols come from? You know, like this is likely creeping in. He probably saw signs of this. And so I think Jacob could have done a better job of letting all this stuff creep and in, creep up into his household and the effects that it can have ultimately on your whole family. And so um, it's uh, not good stuff. Uh, to hear that. It saddens me to hear what Jacob let happen to his house, I guess, here. So, cool. Verse 5, Justin. As they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is, Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. Then he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him, when he fled from his brothers. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the oak, and it was named Alon Bakath. Okay, so as they're journeying to Bethel, 
the cities that were around them, which is clearly stated in verse 5, were seemed to be afraid of Jacob and his family and did not attack them, pursue them, trouble them, uh, or so it seems here. And so uh, some commentators believe that this was a uh, blessing that God ultimately gave them based upon their faithfulness to get rid of all the idols that had entered into the house. And verse 6, it says, Loose, that is Bethel. Uh, it's my understanding that Jacob actually changed the name of the city from Loose to Bethel, which means house of God, which is exactly <laughs> what he said he was going to do in chapter 28. Come back here. And uh, do exactly that. Yeah, so um, I think there there are two there are different possibilities for why the text says there was a great terror upon the cities. Like Henry said, I definitely think obviously God's sovereignty and um, was in play here, and and it's definitely possible that God just sovereignly, um, as part of His protection, you know, had. Uh, place the terror on the people so they would not bother Jacob. Um, I know there are some views that say that uh, the people were afraid because they heard about that Le Levi and, and uh, Simeon killed the whole village of, of the, the whole Hivite, Hivite village. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know which one it is. Uh, you know, there's different possibilities, but either way, um, God was protecting them. We know that. So, yeah. Verse 9, then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddan Aram, and he blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So when he called him Israel, God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a multitude of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from you. In the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had spoken with him. So Jacob set up a memorial stone in the place where he had spoken with him, a memorial of stone. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. And Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Yes. Yeah, so in this section, we see that God confirmed his promise and the name change uh, once again here in Bethel. And so Jacob, just like last time he was in Bethel, uh, put up a pillar, a stone pillar as a memorial. Um, to to the event and, and God speaking to him. And both times God promised many descendants, but here at, at this time, this time he promised to Jacob and Bethel, God also stated that there would be kings that would come from Jacob's offspring. Yeah, yeah, multiple things going on in here. Um, so this, this, according to commentators that I've, read about they said that this has now been 30 years since you know he last was in Bethel spent 20 years with Laban 
and has now been back from Laban for about 10 years. And so this is about 30 years since he's come to this place. And ultimately, God speaking to Israel, who is also Jacob. Remember, when we use Israel and Jacob, you know, th this was very confusing to me whenever I first started. Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob slash Israel. Okay. So that's that those are the that's the lineage right now at this point. And so when we talk about Isaac and Israel, Isaac and Israel, Isaac is the father of Jacob slash Israel. It just gets a little bit confusing. I was very confused. I'm not that smart though, so maybe y'all won't be. Um, but there's three things going on here. There's a command. God says, be fruitful, multiply. Then he, God gives a prophecy. And then, and that being a nation, multitude of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from you. And the third thing I see here is a, as Justin said earlier, a re- Reaffirming, baby. Reaffirming. There you go. A reaffirmation of the promise. And I love that they set up a memorial stone. You know, I think that's I think that's really cool. Oh, who doesn't? Instead of just remembering something in your mind, having a physical reminder of that with this memorial stone, I think is very, very helpful to remind you and your descendants and your family what exactly happened here I, that's not something we do really to these days to this day i feel like you know we do some we have you know we have christmas to celebrate jesus's birth easter you know we have so, so easter to celebrate jesus's resurrection or resurrection sunday whatever you want to call it okay there you go resurrection sunday <laughs> um so those are good, I guess, memorial days, right? Where you're remembering, you're remembering, right? You're, and so I think that's really, really um, good. But having some something to remind you, not something that would turn into an idol later on. You know, you don't want any of these physical objects to turn into an idol or anything like that. But just something, things that remind you, whether it be a, a journal, okay, not a diary, a journal, or uh, whatever else it is, you know, something a reminder. Don't recommend the tattoos. Don't recommend tattoos as reminders, by the way. <laughs> I know some okay. people are like, I want whatever, you know, tattoo on my body to remind me of this or that or whatever. Justin, do you, do you have any comments about tattoos? No, I just wanted to say that uh, Henry keeps a diary. <laughs> it's out. It's out in the open now. Um, yeah, I guess it's my personal preference to avoid tattoos because that's another way that they can identify you. Um, Christ said in John chapter 17, the world will hate you for loving me. And uh, we live in a world where I see a Christian persecution exist. And so, you know, if you want to be able to be, uh, if you see yourself in a situation where maybe you want to be able to be sneaky, you know, uh, do a little Bible smuggling or whatever it may be, it's easier to get by without tattoos. So. Yeah. I don't, there's based upon 
just quick references. I don't see anything in the New Testament specifically is um, anti-tattoo. So there is a general um, theme of the New Testament. It's within the New Testament that definitely talks about how outward appearance. It's what's more important is the condition of the heart as opposed to outward actions and appearances. And so, um, but yeah, don't really see anything uh, specifically against tattoos. I guess that's just more of a preference deal. I didn't but, know we we're going to tackle tattoos in this. Well, episode. in the Old also. Testament, yeah. <laughs> well, I did. I, you know, there is something in the Old Testament, um, you know, that specifically says, "Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves." I am the Lord, Leviticus nineteen twenty eight. So, yeah, we're definitely not here to. Justin, yeah, I thought so you, you might already have an opinion on this. I was hoping that you no, could educate I, us. No, I mean, um, you know, there's there's different views on this. I, I think with what you just read in Leviticus, one of the things that I like to be cautious of is, um, you know, there are certain things I think we've already addressed that we're no longer under the Mosaic Law, but there are three different aspects to the Mosaic Law, and the, God's moral law has always been the same. So, uh, the Ten Commandments still apply to to us, right? Because that's that's moral law. So I don't know the the verse that you're referencing. I haven't studied it well enough to know if that's moral law. Um, I know that there's the idea that since our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, people say don't put graffiti on the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, I think that's more of like um, I don't know if they're taking that symbolism or illustration or whatever that however they're using it i don't know if they're taking that too far i i would say i i don't have any um i don't have a perspective on the a, a strong i don't have a theological stance on if someone should get a tattoo or not get a tattoo i i, I don't either i mean it's like you said um don't have a theological stance on it uh, either as well i will say that it seems that this verse is referencing a culture of a time where people would get markings and it would be more from a superstitious or some other um you know worldly philosophy or religion or or some other thing other than uh worshiping and serving the one one true god of the bible so yeah. See, I don't think that applies to us because we're just a little stitious. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, that's what a master's degree gets you. Fellas. That's what a master's degree. No, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, two bros doesn't take a stance on tattoos. We're trying to lie. Okay. Um, Anyways, I, I bring that up just because that's that's one that people typically, um, I think a lot of people get tattoos as a reminder, right? A marking that take, goes with them wherever they go. Tattoos is extremely popular these days. So that's, that's another reason. Um, I think reading your Bible every day is a pretty good reminder of all God's blessings though. So uh, not a bad one to choose. Alrighty then, 
I guess we should get to uh, chapter 35, verse 16. Yep. Then they journeyed from Bethel, but when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe difficulties in her labor. And when she was suffering severe difficulties in her labor, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you have another son. And it came about, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a memorial stone over her grave. That is the memorial stone of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. Yeah, so first thing to note here in verse 16, then they journeyed on from Bethel. So they're leaving Bethel. And so the question then comes, you know, were they supposed to leave Bethel? Um, verse one of chapter 35 said, then God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So God's saying that he should live in Bethel. It doesn't say he should live in Bethel for the rest of his life. Um, Jacob uh, had a lot of flocks and they seem to be somewhat of nomads, you know, traveling and just going, whatever. I mean, the entire history of his family was, you know, traveling and seemed to be finding water and managing their flocks of animals. And so it's hard to say whether that was a right or wrong thing and them leaving Bethel. And then we also see that Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel, the one he first met when he got to the land of Laban, she ultimately dies in this, uh, in this chapter. And she has a son, basically her, she dies in childbirth with her giving birth to her son here. And uh, she names her son Ben-Oni. And I read a couple of things about how they're not exactly sure what this translates to 100%. But one of those translations is the son of my sorrow. So, you know, if you're in the middle of dying, right, you're probably giving birth, right? You probably could be pretty sad that you're not going to be able to see your son uh, raise up and be grow up to be a young man. Whereas his father, Jane, you know, probably didn't want a son, you know, probably didn't want this to the son to be referenced as been the son of my sorrow and uh, changed it, chose, chose his own name, that being Benjamin. So um, Benjamin meaning the son of the right hand. And then Jacob sets up another memorial stone. And then they journey on and pitch their tent towards the Tower of Eder. Now, I was kind of curious to find out what in the world this Tower of Eder business was. And 
it appears to have been simply a watchtower built to help shepherds protect their flocks from robbers. So, Justin. So, this is actually Rachel's death here. This is the second death contained in this chapter, which actually has three deaths. So, uh, the first death was Rachel's nurse. Um, now, now Rachel dies here. Um, she died actually near Bethlehem, the place where Jesus would be born uh, a lot later. And the, despite this being a tragic event, it was an answer to prayer and that God gave Rachel uh, the second son that she had been asking for. And as it was recorded, uh, we see that in Moses' lifetime, the memorial that, was, that Jacob set up for Rachel was, was still around. Um, as it says in this verse. Spot on, spot on. I had forgotten that she had been praying for another son. So that's, that's good. That's legit. Verse 22, and it came about while Israel was living in that land that Reuben went and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah. And Israel heard about it. Now there were 12 sons of Jacob. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, then Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's female slave, were Dan and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's female slave, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Paddan Aram. So we see here that uh, Reuben, uh, Jacob and Leah's, Leah's son, and this is the Jacob's oldest son, had sex with his father's uh, wife, well, one of his father's wives. This was actually uh, Rachel's um, slave that she had given Jacob as a wife. And so the scripture does not say um, why Reuben did this, but it would have, it was common in those times that this could have been something like an act, like an effort to steal his father's uh, authority from the family. Um, like I said, which that, that something, things like that did take place in that time, but either way it didn't work. And Reuben ended up losing his inheritance over committing this act. Um, but at the end of this section that Henry just read, we see that Jacob's 12 sons are listed here, which are the beginning of the 12 tribes of Israel. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of names that you can learn in the Bible and they're just mentioned extremely briefly. And maybe they're not as frequent characters in the Bible. These 12 tribes, though, this is this is a really, really big deal right here. <laughs> uh, first time reading this, I had no idea, right? I used to, I, I would see a long list of names and I would just fly right through this. Don't recommend that here, okay? These 12 individuals are a big deal. The 12 tribes of Israel I mean, the Old Testament is littered with these individual names. So just be 
aware of that. And of course, totally uncool having relations with your father's wife. I mean, I don't know. This this goes back to having some type of sexual control because it can cost you big time. And it totally costs Ruben big time. Forget the consequence. I mean, it's you're disrespecting your father, for one, not loving your father, but you're also disrespecting uh, God's moral law, which is totally uncool as well. So definitely don't recommend that. Verse 27, Justin. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had resided. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Then Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man of ripe age, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So at this point, we've, we've reached full circle. Um, Jacob left this land and in fear of being killed by his brother Esau after stealing his blessing from their father Isaac. He leaves, goes, stays with Laban for 20 years, serves him, gets married, has some kids, comes on back, spends 10 years floating floating around the land of Canaan. And now Isaac dies at a ripe old age, 180 years. And it says here in verse 29, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So it seems they they did that together, and this is I would I would just also add that anyone who makes promise and delivers, gotta respect it, even if they dilly dally. So we see that Isaac died after living 180 years. Um, so much for telling his sons all those years ago that he was about to die and he needed to hurry up and eat and do that blessing, right? Um, so. This is another uh, recorded meeting where Jacob and Esau. Uh, met up in order to bury their father. So we don't know for sure, but they might not have seen each other since the last meeting when Jacob came back into the land from seeing Laban and he was all afraid to meet Esau. And he said, yeah, I'll I'll meet you at your place and never showed. Uh, Who knows if they had seen each other since then. But we do know um, this kind of overlapped uh, what Isaac did. So this was the same when Abraham died that Isaac and Ishmael met back up to bury their father. So this was obviously a very um, important custom uh, just in the ancient Near East. And um, I think it's definitely an important modern day as well. Jacob, you know, he, we see an individual who was a smart guy that sometimes used that intelligence for deceptive purposes. Obviously his name means deceiver, deception, and he, but he also, I think, did some good things as well, you know, I mean, he, he fulfilled his vow that he made out in chapter 28 when he was first leaving his father's house, and he also um, turned his, really put God first in his family during 
parts of his life? Or is it other times it seems that he backslid a little bit into his old Jacob self? And one of the things that me and Justin will talk about is the concern of us potentially backsliding as we get older as well. And it's just one of those things that you have to remain on guard. You know, this story would have been, the story of Jacob's life would have been a lot better if Jacob had just made a few different decisions and had not waffled so much between putting God first in his life and his family's, family's life for that matter, and then kind of not making some actions, some decisions that weren't just that great. So that's something we need to be on guard for. As soon as you think that you've defeated sin or you're the smartest person and you know how to do everything, as soon as you've elevated your pride and got kind of away from the humble category, then you're setting yourself up for a massive problem, a massive fall. And I just, you know, that's something that I, I want to keep guard of because you read about this a lot in the Bible. These super, some of these men were doing some really amazing, amazing things. And then they seem to completely blow it. And it seems to me that I think pride is a big, big component of, of some of these uh, failures. That's, that's, that's pride and or fear, I guess, depending on the situation. So I would just guard against that. Be ready for your mind to, as you grow in your walk with the Lord, to potentially get a little bit more prideful. Think you all got it together because that's the moment when you don't. You know, that's the moment when you've got to, you're wide open to whatever is going to happen. You've got to stay humble every day. Any successes that you're having right now, give those up to God. Thank God for those blessings. You're not a rocket scientist. You're not God. These blessings are from God. And so you should be humble and thankful every single day for those. Don't get a big head. Got to stay humble. Whatever you do, stay humble. So the big takeaway for me in this chapter is I'm just reflecting back on uh, when Jacob had all, and his family had all these idols and how they had to get rid of those idols in order to get closer to God. And so I, I believe for Christians in America, idolatry does not take on uh, the form of, of false gods, mainly, um, but other things. For some, it may be money, career, or relationship. Um, although there are areas in America where the, the little little Buddha statues or the little, or the little Hindu Ganesha or whatever uh, statues are popular, um, so I would definitely say it's not biblical to have those in your house. Um, definitely avoid those. But generally, idolatry looks different in modern day America than it does in the the ancient Near East. And so oftentimes we are our own idol um, because, because we have things in our lives that are more important to us than God is. And so we prefer to do what, what make us happy instead of considering how our daily activities can glorify God. But as we learned from today's chapter, we need to remove those idols from our lives if we want to grow closer to God. 
and experience what he has for us, which is way better than what we would be chasing um, and having ourselves as idols. I'll say this. I, I think Jacob's story is a lot to learn from this, uh, mainly on what not to do, I would say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, that vow that he, that vow that he delivered on, I got mad respect for that. I mean, anyone who delivers on their uh, promises, mad, mad respect on that. Um, it's tough. It's tough, man. It's tough to watch your bros uh, make mistakes. I'm sure y'all have all seen that happen. And whenever I look back at these patriarchs, I just, they feel like, they feel like a bro. You know what I mean? So um, they're one of the bros with this. Guys, let's learn from these. Let's take the best things from each one of these individuals that we're learning about in the Bible, apply that to our lives. And then all the stuff they mistakes, those should be huge warnings, red flags. Stay away. Do not do that. Stay humble. Stay humble. So stay humble, fear God. And get those idols out of your lives. <laughs> Make bro, good choices, bro. Get the, get those idols, man. What, are, Justin? What are what are a few idols that you're thinking of right now? What are some few idols that you see plague our society today? Yeah. So, like I said earlier, the the money, um, career, relationships. So these are all good things, right? These are all really good. These are all gifts from God, and so we just want to keep them in their right place, right? So I don't want to be uh, disregarding spending time with God and serving God because I'm spending too much time in my career and focused on making more money. Um, although having a good work ethic is a that's biblical and, and that is good. Um, and so I, I would just say there needs to be a balance with that or also relationships, right? There can be people in relationships who uh, they become preoccupied with someone and are, are, are more infatuated by that person than they are God, right? Or more um, captivated by that person than they are God. And uh, I understand these things happen, but you just don't want to put anyone else or anything else in the place of God. Uh, you know, that, that would be idolatry. Yeah. I think, um, what about video games and TV shows? So an entertainment uh, can be idolatry if, if that your focus is entertainment and you never have, and you don't have your quiet times, you don't study your Bible because you'd rather be, be watching the football game or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that is a problem. Uh, I, I mean, once again, you can do both. You can, you can have entertainment and do your quiet times, but, and do your Bible study, but you just don't want entertainment to, consume all your time to where you don't have time to give to God. I would, I would argue that if you want to find a good measure for what potentially could be an idol in your life, these things right here, they have a little measuring, they have a measuring software that measures how much time you spend, calculates how much time you spend on whatever app or whatever it is. There might be a good place to start. Um, maybe you cut back on some of that stuff in order to make more time for God. 
and put God first in your life. We talk about that a lot, you know, putting God first in your life as opposed to putting, you know, some just purely entertaining activity that whenever you're 80, 90 years old, you're not going to kill what your care, what your KD ratio was on call of duty or, or Fortnite or whatever, <laughs> whatever game whatever was popular, was po- popular right. at the time of this era. You know, That's right. Of, yeah. So, um, everybody bros, what are the idols that you see that are consuming society today? What are those? What are the idols that you see in your friend groups and, and your family and the places that you go? Where, what are the idols that you're ultimately seeing? Yeah, d- We want to know because we don't know. Throw that in the comments. Sometimes we get into a little bubble and we just want to know what's going on out there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Guys, bros, brosis. Even if there's a few brosophines out there, we thank you for joining our bro study of the Bible. And we are super stoked to see you next time. Next time you meet, next time you hear Jacob's name, he's a potato. (laughs) Yep. yep. He's no longer the steak. He's no longer the steak. (laughs) He's the tater. Everybody, bro out, bro you later. Mm.